On this podcast, we talk about different areas of business and all things marketing. My name is Dave Doyle. And I'm Dave Alton. And this is Social Antics, another marketing podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Social Antics. Dave, how are you? Ill-prepared predominantly for this, to be honest with you, but we'll drive on. As opposed to every other week. I am usually very well-prepared, and you're the one who's ill-prepared. I am completely ill-prepared. Then what we're going to talk about, but I do have a quiz for you later on. You got such a buzz off last week, wasn't it? Yeah, I did, yeah, yeah. We've done well with your quiz last week, all right, yeah. So, um, what's happened to you this week? Uh, This week, I have done, let me see, absolutely fuck all, because I was sick for the majority of last week at the back end after doing the podcast. Went out for a few drinks at the weekend and I'm not feeling fucking great now to be honest with you. So absolute fuck all. Well, I'm driving into what have you got for this week? Actually, before you do, what did you bring us this week? This week we have uh Kinnegar, which is uh, a farmhouse beer from Donegal. And there isn't much to describe on the side of it like we usually do, you know, they have all the, the kind of funny stuff. This one merely says the brewery is named after the beach beside its birthplace, just north of Ratmullen in County Donegal in uh, Ireland, on Ireland's Wild Atlantic Way. Thumping hop flavours and aromas inspire our double IPA's name, Thumper. Now, the reason that I picked out this for this week is it brought back traumatic childhood experiences. Remember Thumper? Oh, in um, um, Bambi. Bambi, yeah, The yeah. most traumatic show <laughs> to show a child. It was my first brush with death, really, was Bambi. <laughs> the mother went out and she got shot by those bastards in the fucking meadow. I couldn't sleep for weeks afterwards. Fucking traumatic. The, the cans are phenomenal, in fairness to them. They're doing a great job on the, on the, the, the artwork on the front. Um, it says it there on the bottom. Who is it? Uh, Dermot Flynn. DermotFlynn.com. Shout out to Dermot. He illustrated all the... Kinner Garland, which is their kind of little world that they've come up with, with all these animals they on like it. little drawing worlds, don't they, the craft brewers? They are, yeah, they're all yeah, very artistic, a lot of them. Uh, but no, it's fantastic. I have a Hazy Session IPA, which the colour now is, you know, we got a bit of a shock when we poured it out, alright, it's a bit bright. That's what, he, that's what hazy beers look like. But my one is a refreshing tropical fruit mingles with citrus, coconut and perhaps a hint of pine. Very Lovely, fancy. very fancy. That I must say is as I, it's a very drinkable double IPA. Seven point, what is it? Eight point two, seven point something, whatever it is. Anyway, two cans of the one efficient. Very, very, <laughs> very, very drinkable. It's good. Very good. So, what's happening in the world of business marketing? Did you spotted this week. So the main one, I suppose, is just to go back on the um, on what we were discussing a number of weeks ago, which is Elon Musk and his potential. Twitter takeover, which has been delayed, stalled, postponed, whatever you want to put it. Um, and as a lot of analysts predicted, um, he shouldn't take it over. It doesn't make any sense that he would take it over. And now he's trying to kind of, given that he's woken up from his whatever drug-induced party oh, billion euro takeover, <laughs> he's wondering why the fuck did I get into this deal in the first place, basically. So the excuse that he's using at the moment is that he wants Twitter to prove that less than 5% of their users are bots. Which, fine, but that's before you go and buy it, you do your due diligence. Mm -hmm. And beyond that, that's not the main problem here with Twitter as an overall business in their business. So, like, of all the things that 
there is an issue with here that is such left of field that it is just clearly bullshit it's not, he's it's not the bots that are causing the issues like, no. yeah. he's looking for a way to get out of the deal um, and that's patently patently obvious yeah, as you said like that's that's the sort of stuff that you kind of declare or look into before you go and make a big deal like that but yeah I don't I don't know I, I think it will happen but I don't know I, I just I think it's going to be a very drawn out process by the way it's going but it doesn't make any sense now right so since he's taken over Twitter stock price has dropped by 30%. So the 40 billion that he's no, pledged <laughs> is now worth only 70% of that. So he's buying something at a 30 um at a 30% premium effectively, which for a 40 billion quid buy is quite a lot of money. It's not like going down to the Tesco and getting the 2 for 1 like it's it's a it's a few <laughs> pound that you're down if it's so already some, gone down by 30%. Some business plan I'd say walking into the investors saying here this is what I plan to. <laughs> but even be but so this is the problem now right because even beyond that so one in the purchase agreement that he signed, which is available for people to look at, um, there's been low, I haven't read it myself, but there's been analysis done on it, and they've basically said that because of the way that he took them over, which is basically kind of like a hostile, very very aggressive takeover, he basically waived his right to any due diligence. So that means that you're not allowed to come back now and start quizzing. Yeah. The different bits and because you give bought us, you bought you bought it, mate. That's basically what it is. So what people are basically saying now, or what analysts are speculating, is that either one, he's gonna look for a reduction on the initial price, which if the Twitter board agreed to, they look incredibly incompetent. Um or he's going to try and avoid the one billion dollar fine that he will receive if he Starts breaches the agreement of the deal. Yeah. So that's basically where that's kind of um where that's kind of at at the moment. Now I suppose there's a few things here which is which is really, really important, right? So even though the shares have fallen by thirty percent, shares have fallen with a lot of tech companies in the last the last kind of number of weeks or so. And the same with cryptocurrencies and so on and so forth. The major thing here is that Twitter's board have effectively, by letting Musk take over, they've effectively already said to the market that this guy can do a better job mm. at increasing shareholder value than we can as a board or that we can as a leadership team. So therefore, if he then doesn't take it over, you're essentially giving control of the company back to a board that didn't back themselves to begin with, which obviously will have a negative impact on the share price, which will have a negative impact on the current shareholders who are going to be left with this story stock effectively that has a really, really bad story behind it. So... Like, there's loads of different things, and we've spoken about them in terms of that you can do with Twitter. The advertising model yeah. is terrible. Um, there's a huge amount of bots on the platform. I saw earlier on today our health minister put out a, um, a tweet um, about the new maternity hospital. Oh, and yeah. within 15 minutes, it had 200 retweets. Click on those retweets, all bots. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. all of them. So the place is crawling with bots. We know that. Um but as a place whereby there are a certain cohort who have absolute shareholder value, like Elon Musk and their ability to generate, or his ability to generate good PR for Tesla, um, or anyone over kind of 100,000 followers, really, they're able to derive a huge amount of value from Twitter, and then everyone else derives a huge amount of value from Twitter through news. It's still a great platform, but at the moment, it looks like it could actually be killed off. But even in, in terms of users and the value and getting people back onto the app, like we know that Twitter was definitely much in decline until a certain president in America at the time was going for election and started tweeting out random shite. So basically drove the users back up, people were joining just to, to see what he was saying. Musk has come out and said that 
he's going to you know he came out publicly and said I'm going to put him back on the platform I'm going to remove the ban so like if that does happen obviously we have to wait till he actually buys the thing and, re- and puts him back onto the platform but that will drive back up users again because people will be back on to watch him and, and see what he's going to toilet tweet today yeah, just in time for his uh, presidential bid for 2020. I don't know when it is. Yeah, whenever next the next one. one. He'll go for it. Four, five, maybe. Oh, absolutely, 100%. Yeah. But that's kind of where it's at in terms of that overall takeover. So at the moment, it looks like a mess. It's going to be protracted. It's going to be drawn out. Huge amount of uncertainty for the leadership team. Huge amount of uncertainty for the board. You would imagine that while this is going on, there won't be any real innovations going on obviously they're going to keep on developing the platform but slowly there's going to be no way they're not going to pump money into it like they don't know what's going to happen so yeah no it's just a fucking mess basically which is what we kind of said it probably would be a number of weeks ago what a number of analysts said as well it's just not it doesn't make sense and interestingly enough as soon as musk said that he was going to purchase um twitter Tesla stock went down as soon as he said during the week that he was considering not buying it because of this bot issue Tesla stock went straight back up it's amazing how these things happen isn't it doesn't make any fucking sense why he would buy it in the first place people shareholders in Tesla want Elon Musk looking after Tesla yeah not off with notions not being involved in communications this is a very drinkable 6.8 I don't or 7.8 I don't say that much it's not but to be honest I'm you know me, I'd normally go for an APA or a, or a, a red ale. This one, this one now, this will take a while to grow on me, I'd say, this one. The hazy, <laughs> is it? It is, yeah. It's it's um, it's, it's very kind of bitty, I suppose, and citrusy. But, uh, it would I be, like myself a hazy IPA. Do I, you? Do, I must say, yeah. But you've got notions. I might try <laughs> I might try that. Um, I'm going to try that later. Do, do. So speaking of famous CEOs and making a mess of their companies, did you read the article I sent you this week on... Um, CEOs being an underutilized tool in businesses. I did, Dave, and you know that I did because we were talking about in the running order before the script. But anyway, <laughs> let's try and fool the audience on, in any way. Did you, I did sent you, it to you. Did you read that? Oh yes, Dave. I happened to read this random article that happened on this random website. Yeah, I did. That's the way you wanted um, to bring it in, wasn't it? Yeah, it was yeah, my research sure. as well that brought this up as well because you didn't fucking do anything. But anyway, so what the article which was published on Marketing Week this week. Um, naturally um, said that CEOs as brand promoters were basically underutilized so basically what it says is that new research showed a strong correlation between the personal reputation of CEOs and that of their brands particularly in founder led businesses however they can also be a reputational liability now it did that's kind of obvious right? a lot of people kind of knew that already but it kind of goes into a little bit more um, detail in terms of the analysis in and of itself so Brand Finance, which is the company that uh, conducted the um, the survey, tracked the personal reputation of the world's top CEOs with a survey of a thousand analysts and journalists, and then cross-referenced that survey and what people said about these particular CEOs with its global brand equity monitor. So then it basically gauged or matched and correlated public opinion with where a brand fell on their overall um, on their overall index, and uh, that program itself tracks over four thousand brands. So a pretty kind of a a pretty That's robust, hefty now, yeah, what you're a pretty there, robust yeah. um, robust kind of a tracker. So just to give an example then, or a little kind of a mini case study. So. Brewdog, as an example, which is a brand James that we Walsh, like. Yeah. So, uh, Mr. James Watt, um, their reputation uh, score plummeted from nineteen point one 
to just 1.6 in the aftermath of, of the accusations around their um, staff. And that's according to YouGov's um, uh, brand health tracker brand index. Um, and as of the 13th of May, that score has fallen further to minus 0.2 as Watt continues to find himself subjected to criticism in the national press so that doesn't account for the thing that we were talking about a number of weeks ago around him bringing in the profit sharing and stuff like mm. that but it does show a direct correlation when you perform a regression analysis of brand reputation against whatever index you're using and the reputation of the founder ceo but i think that's where that's probably coming a lot from was we i think we spoke it back before we done this setup but we, we spoke about um there was issues with previous staff taking cases against them or, you know, basically just coming out and bad-mounting them in a sense. But I suppose when you look at the whole area of the CEO, if you have a public profile like James Watt or any other, like Elon Musk, Richard Branson, any of these kind of CEOs who don't just hide behind the company name, they push themselves out there to the forefront of it and have just as big of a, a brand as the brand sometimes, the, the business themselves. But like he is going to take a bashing for something that he done personally, but the whole brand is going to take a bashing as well. Oh yeah, Maybe, absolutely. Yeah, you know, and that's as you already said, it can be a great tool, but it can be huge, huge risk. If Elon Musk takes notion, goes off and wants to buy a huge company, you know, Tesla's going to take a bashing for it, as you've already said. Well, you see, see, it depends then because then it depends on what. So everyone's opinion of someone's reputation is going to be different. A lot of people see Elon Musk as so. Let's take um, uh, Steve Jobs. Mm -hmm. Steve Jobs, by all accounts, I never met the man. I don't know the man at all. But by all accounts, he was a fucking asshole yeah. to his employees, staff, etc. But people loved him because as far as they were concerned, he was Jesus Christ of, whatever you want to call it, the, I'm robbing this phrase, that, but that, the Jesus Christ of the innovation economy, yeah. or he was the creator. He was the kind of iconic founder of one of those iconic brands. So therefore, it didn't matter whether he operated a complete scorched earth policy or not in terms of how he treated people, people just saw him as this almost godlike mythical figure who was creating this incredible brand which people latched onto almost in cultish type fashion, mm. you know? So I think reputation there again is a kind of a funny one because again, James Watt would in the press be seen as someone who has quite a negative reputation. I actually think I, I don't really have an issue with him myself personally in terms of what he has achieved, trying to achieve and what he's doing with his overall brand. There are other um, CEOs that I would have a big issue with. So Richard Branson, for example, well, is was. one of them. Because last for the last two years, pretty much, um, when you take some of the biggest companies in the world, so Amazon, Virgin, are you going to go on now the whole space race? Yeah, kind of that's thing? exactly yeah. what I'm going yeah. on about. So no, and I, I, I would agree with you. I think it's ridiculous. It's like. ridiculous at a time whereby you needed vaccines distributed all over the world. You needed the best brains to find out ways of freezing, maintaining, distributing, creating global supply chains that were going to get out of, get us out of that COVID mess so that Dave could go back to the pub quicker. And instead of focusing on that, they decided, nah, let's not bother with the pandemic. Let's, let's build, build rockets, rockets and go to fucking space instead. Yeah. That's not, that's with, not what... With me and a bunch of my friends. Exactly. That's not what leadership is. That's not a, that's not a thing. So even though people see Branson as this kind of, you know cheeky chappy British yeah. and he does a lot of philanthropic work I just thought when it came to the big issues I was like what are you doing man do you know what I mean now I know they'll probably say oh no this is a big issue because we're all going to live in Mars in the next 50 years my bollocks I think it was brilliant though even a lot of the actors and stuff coming out in interviews saying they're 
you know, fucking Egypt, basically. Like, yeah, it was yeah, absolutely brilliant. He's reminding me there. I went on a buzz there a couple of weeks ago of watching old interviews with, um, with, um, oh, Michael O'Leary. Uh, from Ryan there. Love Michael O'Leary. And I, I've literally watching back his old interviews and he is phenomenal. Like, he just knows how to handle an interview, knows how to handle the questions. Like, you know, but I can see going on your robust, um, analyst scale there, how it could be detrimental to a company, but, how he's always stayed true to his word no matter what. He's always stuck by exactly yeah. what he meant. And I would I would imagine, you know, similarly, James Watt now and Brewdog, exactly the same. They stick by that they're there to do what they're there to do, sell beer, really good beer, but also help the environment, Contribute I suppose, along, the way, well, yeah. along the way, you know. Whereas other CEOs, I suppose, can hop in and out when they want, when they need a bit of good PR or... That's the thing that kind of frustrates me the most is that I don't particularly... Like a brand is a brand, right? It's a made-up thing by a combination of the CEO, the marketing department, and how the consumers perceive a particular brand at any particular moment in time is how a brand is kind of created or constructed. It's not real. It's all superficial. Whereas a CEO's actions and what he says are real. So what really, really infuriates me is that when a brand says one thing, but then their CEO does something entirely differently, because then the branding is just that. It is more superficial than branding is in and of itself. Such guidelines so, in the book and that's it. Exactly, yeah. that's what it is. So, like, when you hear of, um, the best examples of this is um, Sheryl Sandberg. So, whatever she is now, COO or whatever she is, she is of Facebook. And she went around and did her book on overcoming her, um, overcoming a lot um, as a woman in business and all that kind of stuff. Well, boo-hoo fucking Cheryl, you're in charge of one of the most toxic platforms in the fucking world and you've done nothing about it. And again, not to go into it again, but increasing teen teen suicide, people scrolling through Instagram, feeling depressed all the time, um, them doing absolutely nothing about it, them allowing their platforms to be hijacked for elections, all this kind of stuff. You are putting forward this vision of yourself as a sort of revolutionary or someone who cares about equality and all these different things when your users are literally suffering from using your platform. That's what I hate about... It's greenwashing, effectively, Mm. between the CEO and the brand that they actually say that they represent. So, what's your thoughts actually on um, on Bill Gates? I don't have one, to be honest with you. With all, like, once again, kind of, he's had a good and bad reputation in terms of certain areas and obviously split up with the wife recently. But he is doing so much work but in terms that's of... that's a common... The, the, the splitting up with the... That's a common thing, though, because if you're so driven to build a company like that, your relationship just has to... But, so it has to... But the whole... But, yeah, but the whole foundation... He's too well for himself now, isn't he? Isn't he but the foundation side of it um, that Bill Gates do... Um, like all this work abroad in third world countries and stuff and looking into like I think they, they focus very heavily on um sewerage systems or something like that but they do a lot of work in that area but like that now he kind of he's always stuck to this one area for as long as I can remember you know and he's trying to clear this whole area and that's it he doesn't chop and change into different areas which is what I like whatever the reputation that's what I like about him yeah no to be honest with you I wouldn't have much of an opinion on Bill Gates. Again, he's old school. I, I would just wouldn't follow him. And as well as that too, nowadays, he's not really in the public that often. So and he's I too busy getting rid of the sewerage system. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. But, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be tracking him that much. But more like, like some of the more contemporary ones now. So, um, what's his, um, what's his name? The guy with Disney who is Chapek. So he took over from Bob Iger at the start mm. of COVID. And there was a huge issue there because Bob Iger was seen as this very, very, inspirational leader um 
and old, then, old school Disney, basically. Oh yeah, but I mean, so JPEG took over. But then there was recently there was the the don't say gay bill in Florida, which is basically where they were kind of I don't know the exact details of it now, but it was effectively it was almost like don't ask, don't tell in the military, but in schools oh, right, in okay. the um in the in Florida, which is like very very archaic and the republicans are doing a great job of rolling back all sorts of progress in that the last 30 years or so but again the problem was is that florida obviously being synonymous with disney and disney have a huge pull there in terms of politics infrastructure etc and chapek didn't do anything about it in the initial phases and because of that people are kind of criticizing going well hang on this is all going on in your backyard and you're not backing it despite the fact that or you're not going against it despite the fact that Disney is meant to be the most inclusive brand in the world kind of a thing do you know what I mean so but when it gets to that stage then and then you have CEOs or any brands hopping on it then you know it's like that it's not a mix of reactive marketing in a bad sense but also the whole area we talked for about like the woke side of it I'm getting on because I have to because everyone else is doing this or I'm being pressured to do it or whatever yeah but that's not woke though because no it's not but that's what I mean it's kind of that in between but like they kind of feel like they have to because everyone else is doing it there's so much pressure. But no one else was, that's the point. Because okay. it was in Florida. And Florida is Disney, Disney is Florida. Disneyland. So there's a big difference okay. between... Disneyland. Disney, whatever. <laughs> um, there's a big difference between something like that, which is politics and there's an actual output and you going against a governor looking to put a law through, which is very, very archaic, versus you just creating an ad, which is very, very pro lgbt like as i always say if you are doing something like that there has to be some level of risk to your organization otherwise it's meaningless if that makes any sense you know what i mean if it's yeah. not if it's not controversial then you're not backing anything you're just supporting you're just giving a check anyway. exactly so like and that goes back to the core point that i make that these brands if they actually stand for something they need to stand for it in every single yes. instance of it as opposed to again creating this mythical brand which says it stands for everything but in practicality doesn't do anything about it when it's asked mm -hmm. so that's where i think and again brands are powerful like disney is a powerful fucking organization um despite the trauma that bambi caused me as a young <laughs> fella as we discussed earlier on they're a very very powerful I thought you um, got over it by now. <laughs> i know no the worst one actually just complete sidebar <laughs> here the worst one and it again it's it's uh, i was going to say wabbits <laughs> or rabbits um was over here. It, no i was going it was um, the, the your man who goes hunting oh for wabbit the, um louis tunes isn't it yeah what, what's louis your Jones? man's what's your man's name Thank Elmer you very much. Thanks very much, producer. We had the notes there. He's quick on google isn't he fucking wabbits <laughs> um but um do you ever see watership down Yes, that I have. is That's the most tragic film. traumatic yeah. films you can watch. Young anyone with kids, show them Watership Down the next time they do something bad. Yeah, that's punishment. Grounded, traumatized yeah. afterwards. But so, what are we talking about? Gay rights and Disney, right? Go back so, in. So, so ultimately, so again, that's where if someone tunes into us in the middle of it, like that's where we get ourselves like, oh, yeah, in trouble. This, this is where we. This is where we don't have a script at this point in the uh, in this point of the pod. But look, the. The point here is that, the, and look, for some brands, it's more difficult. So if you take Brian Chesky, who I would... Um, Airbnb. Airbnb, yeah. So an incredibly innovative, admirable CEO in terms of what he's been able to create. So he's managed to cultivate a global brand that also needed international and local audiences, which is an incredibly difficult thing for any brand to do. So he's done that. Now... 
he has done a huge amount, even just recently, right? But he's done this for since the inception of Airbnb, whereby they're partnering with a lot of um, a lot of um, refugee organizations yes. to house people from the Ukraine. Ukraine. Yeah. So that's a brilliant thing, and that's a, an example of a brand that. They have access to housing. There is a housing crisis. There's a refugee crisis. We are going to step in here and we are going to solve the problem. So it's capitalism solving the problem effectively, which is... I actually loved... Um, I've seen the amount of... Uh, I've seen good and bad press for it. It was when Ukraine started. Um, the amount of people that were kind of lobbying to oh, pay for uh, rooms in Ukraine or pay for houses in Ukraine on Airbnb yeah. and you know send people money to people that need it in Ukraine and all this. And you know, there were people coming out saying that if someone happens to have a second house or a third house in Ukraine that were able to rent it, they probably don't need the money. You know, there's other people to be helping Ukraine. There's all the arguments for and against it. Like, this is a bit of a fucking you know, people are people yeah. like in any of those kind of social campaigns, people do erratic things like that without yeah. really thinking it through. But look, again, it, it, it's what happens yeah. in something as serious as that, right? But like to go back to Airbnb, so that's a good an example of a good thing that they're doing and again it's them as a big capitalist organization using capitalism to solve a very very bad detrimental situation but then at the same time if you look at the recent data around the housing crisis in both Ireland the UK some other places across Europe there are now there is now a deficit of rental homes available to people and a lot of that is being attributed to Airbnb mm. because if you can rent your, let's say in Dublin, for example, you could probably rent an Airbnb for hundred quid. Yeah, cheaper. Yeah. If you, but if your, if your house will say is occupied for, let's say, ten, um, let's say ten nights maybe of the, of a month, you probably more than your made the, exactly. Yeah. It's more than the mortgage, yeah. and it's more than what you would get from renters and what well, depending on the part of Dublin and all that I stuff. Know, but, but yeah. the point is you can make more money from putting your house up as an Airbnb yeah. residence and you also don't have the issue with your landlord issue. So if someone is staying home for a night, they're not going to give out that the washing machine isn't working, yes. right? So there's that kind of element as well. So I think it's it's interesting that Airbnb are the cause of a huge amount of problems. They haven't really done anything to solve that yet or they haven't really commented on it but in a lot of other things they have so I, again there are CEOs and they're put in tough positions but they earn the big bucks so they can be put in these tough positions and, and be asked and answer the very very tough questions right so I think to go back to the original point it's very very interesting to see that when we are talking about brands and we often talk about advertising and products and influencers and word of mouth we often don't talk about the leadership team, the CEO, yeah. and those are just a few examples that we've given there whereby, no, it's really, really, really important. But I think even going in on some of the ground level businesses, even some of the ones we would work with, um, it's one of the things we would always say is, you know, if you have the chance to put a face out there, it might not be the CEO, but if you have a chance to put a person's face out there, get it out there. It'll become trustworthy. It'll become someone you connect to. It'll be a face when they're, you know, walking into a store, into a meeting or whatever. It becomes someone that it becomes established with the brand. And that is a huge part that's overlooked by a lot of, you know, in the SME kind of side of things, the small businesses that they, they, they just don't do because they're either afraid of the camera, they're afraid of putting themselves out there, they're afraid of, oh, someone will and think I'm doing well for not, myself. they're afraid <laughs> it's not polished, whereas yeah. we'd prefer if it's not polished, right? Do you yeah. know what I mean? Because if it comes across as too polished and it's fake, mm. So like any of the brands that I would like a lot, well not any of them, but a lot of them would have a 
a CEO that you would want to be front yeah. facing, not for everything, but for certain things. Because some of them, I wouldn't put them. I wouldn't put them out the wheelie bins out the back have, <laughs> Yeah, but they have a certain. And again, I think particularly when you're talking about family businesses, or you're talking about um, founders of organizations, they are so passionate about their business and what they are trying to do that no matter what we do as marketers or social media managers or in terms of content creators you will never capture something as powerful as asking a CEO or a founder, why do you do what you do? Yeah. And if they articulate that in just a very, very raw, visceral way, that will make people fall in love with that brand more than, again, any of the other marketing tricks or anything like that. But that goes back to in. what we talked about last week in terms of, you know, um, the incentive side of things for staff that, that Brewdog decided to do. They... they um, you having a laugh? What? <laughs> I got, I got, I got stash. my secret stash. I ain't driving. Grand. <laughs> no, that's what we get the taxis for. <laughs> that's it, Jeff. Fair play if there is any taxi company that would like to sponsor this podcast, yeah. then absolutely. Happy days, yeah. No, fair play. Yeah, you hit that well now, in fairness yeah. to you. Um, I can't remember what I was saying. Now. What you were was talking I saying? about uh, Oh, yeah, last week. Uh, last week we said about the um, yeah, watch him pour this now we make an absolute hames of it uh, that's why he normally is pouring for the, before audio the show li- for the audio <laughs> listeners I've just pulled a random can from behind the bar here and Dyler is jealous so ha ha ha, ha. Um, I'll stick with mine but we talked about last week about the incentive side of things and I made a comment that no matter how much you incentivize any staff member or give them any sort of responsibility, no matter what, they are not the owner of the business. So like you just said, they're going to have a different way of speaking, they're going to have a different passion, they're going to talk about it a little bit different, and I just don't think you're ever going to get that from anyone that's only the founder, Even not even the CEO, because sometimes, as you already mentioned, CEO is someone brought in from the outside to run the company, but the actual founder of the company is the most powerful. Fair play, that's not a bad one now. I made a dog's dinner of it, really. Did, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. yeah. I believe it settled a small bit, you've let it a small bit, but... Um, Mixing the beers now in the glass will be tasting rotten. Be alright, be alright, be alright, be alright. Only a podcast. So what have you got? So this is again Kinnegar. <laughs> a Scraggy Bay IPA. And I love a bit of poetry, me, you know yourself. <laughs> yeah, it's country. Um so Okay, interesting. So I'll just read this, the side <laughs> of it again, right? So many people read that as they're talking. I know, no, yeah. no, no, no. natural and cultural history is captured beautifully in the Irish and English place names that mark its coastal features. Beneath the Nokala Hills lies Scraggy Bay, giving us a local maritime name for a style of beer with a great maritime past. And also, Scraggy Bay was not a character involving an assassination of the main character's mother back in my childhood. <laughs> so therefore, this I'm enjoying sitting, a Scraggy Bay. This one's sitting with you different. Yeah. But look, there's a, there's a rabbit on the front of the um, the pirate ship on the front of this with his uh, little telescope. That's it, yeah, all of them have, like, I have a load of rabbits inside in the the brewing factory, I presume. And this one here, <laughs> this one here is a bunch of snakes. Did you, on ever, <laughs> did you ever think of writing poetry, did you? A bunch of rabbits in the brewing factory can be your first one. It's a good name for it, actually, yeah. Um, did you know, moving on quickly, moving on quickly yeah. 
did you know, Dave, it's actually a very good time at the moment to be working as a marketer? I didn't, and I've been fucking working in it for long enough, to be honest with you. Why? <laughs> what cutting-edge research have you got for the this, listeners this, this is, This is my bit of input into the show. Yeah, yeah. Try, man. Um, Digital media and marketing recruiter Aspire over in the UK have chatted with Marketing Week as starting salaries for the marketing industry has gotten a significant boost as demand outstrips supply. So is this what you'll be telling all your students now when they're leaving now that it's a great time to go into marketing because loads of jobs and less and less people with the skills apparently. There's a skills shortage. Well, no, that, that, no that, that does make sense. I mean, the, the problem is, is that marketing is such a broad area. It's like when you, like, so someone says you're an accountant and it's, you're in tax, yeah. audit, whatever, financial, managerial, audit, loads of different types of accounting. But if you're in marketing, it's just marketing as opposed to being a web developer, content creator, and all the different types of content creation that go with that, specialist in email marketing, digital advertising, graphic design, myriad of different things. So again, it depends on what's hot at a particular moment in time. Like, I mean, I was listening to um, TikTok, actually. and you were, uh, listen, Ke- you were listening to TikTok? I had, it was it was, it was was on, it was there, whatever the story was. Kevin O'Leary was on, so I looked away. So Kev, Kevin O'Leary, who is one of the sharks on Shark Tank in the US, basically said that... You were watching saying, I could do better than him. I was watching it going, <laughs> fuck it, I've got more hair than him. He's got more money than me, but I've got more hair Which than him. Which one would you trade? That's it, yeah. But so the, what he basically said was that if you take 20 years ago, if you were a web developer, you were... 200k out of college in the US mm-hmm. because no one could develop websites and if you could build an e-commerce website you were just shit hot nowadays Shopify you could do it do you know what I mean you yeah. still need a lot of skill to connect everything up a lot plenty, of stuff, but it's plenty not plenty YouTube videos to walk you exactly. through exactly it's not as difficult from a practical yes. perspective you're not coding from scratch which you needed to know whereas nowadays if you are someone either out of college, out of high school, out of secondary school, out of whatever school, and you are an artist in terms of being able to put together a TikTok video, yes. which can communicate brand values in the space of 30 seconds, you are the most valuable person in the marketing ecosystem right now. Yes. You might be in six months, but right now you are earning I seen, um, six figures, easy peasy. Uh, I think it was Ryanair recently were hiring a TikTok marketing executive or whatever it was and the application was sent us in a TikTok video create something and send it into us so that's how they're all but like that was actually the way for the last while was people go on now that you actually say that sorry I'm interrupting you this is not, the, not Ryanair, used to it now the Ryanair TikTok is superb oh unbelievable if anyone yeah. so now we should do this right so at the, before the end of the this season or this series if there is even, even no if I was going to say have, series, we, have yeah. we even talked about that but go no, on we anyway. We'll do an awards night. an exit plan already. We'll do an awards night. Right. Where we can go through all the different things because Ryanair might get an award for we'll the best TikTok. Get Michael O'Leary down, we present him. <laughs> exactly. He'll come down. He'll come to our studio in a in a an undisclosed location. And if anyone hears, by the way, that I have a bit of noise coming from a randomly outside the studio, there's a bit of commotion going on outside there's, that we are told. As, as our producer Owen said, the fire ambulance was speeding past <laughs> there about five minutes ago yeah. and there's a load of lads with their hoses out outside <laughs> and they're putting out the burning building. And, but we're carrying on anyway. We're not stopping. Apologies if there's us. any noise outside. Yeah. Um, so we're going back to on. what we were actually talking about. Uh, between April 21 and 22, three and a half thousand vacancies in terms of marketing uh, over in the UK. Um, and that is the reason why jobs are being are being 
um, sorry, salaries are being boosted up. And, and we've even seen it here in terms of COVID has changed so many industries where people are changing jobs. I've had enough of that. You know, no one can get a chef oh, yeah. at the moment in Ireland. You know, all. so people are changing careers. But the other side of it is, so many people are coming out of college. You know, in my opinion, they're coming out of college and trying to do everything and trying to do all areas of marketing. Whereas you can't. You have to specialize in certain areas. You just, I, I think, uh, kind of to a point, right? I think you need to specialize. But like, if you go into if you go into an SME at you know whereas one man man does kind of everything. Yeah, you yeah. know, You need to know the different areas, but you have to Correct. put in the specialities. When you go into more the corporate, the bigger level, the big brands, you will focus on your little area, and that's normally, generally, the way it works. Unless you become what, well, what I am more so, but you would be as well to a certain would be a generalist strategy. Bit, yeah, bit, bit, do you know what I mean? So you you tend to when you're as I find that when you graduate or when you're younger, you tend to specialize, broaden out a bit. And then you really, really specialize. And then you broaden out even more when you get into managerial type role. That's generally how I see it happening anyway, you know, um, which is interesting. But no, it's, but as I always say, look, marketing isn't for everyone because it's not logical. And a lot of people need logic and structure. It's not for everyone, careers. but everyone thinks they can do it. Everyone thinks they can do it. Yeah, <laughs> sure anyone can do marketing. Yeah. It's a classic, uh, it's a classic yeah. line. But no, there's... Um, I would have done it this way. <laughs> I would have done. I, w- I wouldn't have done what you did. It's like, well, the fucking data says differently, mate. Um, but look, ultimately, again, it's like, look, I would always say to people, if you don't, like, if you don't know what area you want to go in necessarily, but if you are a little bit creative, entrepreneurial, you are hardworking, or if you're very, very analytically minded, but you don't necessarily want to go into finance, it is a nice career to go down. Because again, marketing is a blend of art and science. And if you've got the science side of it in terms of your ability to target, advertise, do your analysis on your facts, your figures, your research, or on the flip side of that, you're the creative mind, which is into kind of consumer psychology and building brands. Like a huge, huge area and huge opportunities. Do you notice more of your students, I suppose, coming out of university? Do you notice more of them going towards that SME side or more so towards the, the bigger brand stuff? the more corporate it's just sp- I have so many students there's always a split a big big split like I've got every year there's guys going out doing setting up their own businesses becoming entrepreneurs some of them have been very very successful recently enough I have one girl who graduated a number of years ago who um, incredibly impressive has just got a scholarship worth a quarter of a million to wow. Georgetown University um, in the US doing kind of policy making and stuff like that which is just Phenomenal altogether. That's a um, weird one coming on the back of. I know now that's kind of an that, but that could have been probably something to do with her undergrad at that stage, was it? But that's kind uh, of no, a total not necessarily. Change. No, it was kind of communications. Oh, okay. So you end up going working for things like the UN or government or whatever the story is. So, but no, it is a little bit left to feel. But again, it comes from the whole kind of narrative. <laughs> coming from your classes to working in the UN, telling, telling you know, telling you know. Yeah, but um, and I there's know. A, again, I learned this in Doctor Alton's class. And, and again, this guy's who I come across and uh, like the judge. There's always the award, the local awards nights and stuff like that, and they're working for SMEs, doing very very well you've people who go off and travel but as I always say to people don't necessarily look at the job look at what you want to do yourself so if you want to be someone who goes traveling in their early 20s 30s then pick a job that allows you to go travel if you want to slave away become an entrepreneur then again use marketing as a way to unlock your ability to become an entrepreneur um if you're just motivated by monetary value go work for Don't go, into marketing. Go, go work for Aldi or little <laughs> do you know what I mean so that's kind of do you know what I mean there's different um for me what you need to do is you need to conceptualize and craft what life you want and then work backwards and see where your career kind of fits into that so it's great no but it, it is great though because 
to see marketers who, in a lot of instances, typically do start off at a lower level in salary-wise. Now, as it grows, it grows quick. But if you're successful, obviously. Um, but to see that lower level salary scale kind of rise a little bit is great because I think, again, marketers are value generators ultimately. Well, it does. Like, it goes across the whole board. Like, all the different areas are going up. Like, marketing manager role, uh, jumping from around the 39 starting figure to up around the 45. The marketing executive starting was 27, or sorry, was 23, going up to 27. But what I did find interesting was the whole events marketing side of it that the marketing events managers saw the biggest rise with their pay starting at 30 and that going up to 40, which is a 33% increase. The events side of it is what caught my attention because realistically for the last couple of years, there's been no events. So now... It's, there's a recapturing back, of the experiential you know, element. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. No, but again, like, so next thing, there's a whole pool of these jobs now opening up. Like, so that's what they're saying here that there's such a pool of people looking for these jobs. There's not many people. Demand's not or the supply is not there. So there's going to be bidding wars. There's going to be people, you know, headhunted. But people don't even think of the like. So like, we both work with a company. Well, I still work there, but like you worked with them previously, which was um, sausages. One of the most important things about selling sausages is tastings. Just give a bit more into to that, will you? Instead yeah. of just saying that. <laughs> well, no, it's, not, it's, a sausage, it's a sausage company. Like, yeah, um, well, pork sausage sausages, company in Cork yeah. City. Yeah. So, like, so ultimately, like, I mean, if you go into uh, an area or region where you are not known, going in on whatever a Thursday afternoon and giving tastings to, let's say, fifty people. Yeah. The chances are that if 50 of those people taste the product, if the product is good, 20 to 30 of them might buy it. They take that home. They're probably feeding, let's say, between Four, three to five yeah. people each. That then, So that's 100 people. And then of that 100, will 10 of them tell yes. 10 other people? Do you know? So again, just that experience. Yeah. And that's just a very, very silly, superficial example. But I mean, I have always said and... Look, our backgrounds are predominantly digital marketing as a means to build brands because that was just the up and coming thing when we got into marketing. Trainer, trainer, hand that TikTok now. Huh? Trainer. You're trying to do it with TikTok now. It's not going very fucking well, but yeah, you're giving it a go. <laughs> Wait till I have to so, see what happens tonight. That's it, yeah. Oh, God. Um, but ultimately, the point here is that you can never, ever forget the real world, tangible, yes. touch, feel, physical experience. Yeah. As I always say, you can swipe. Was left, it right, right, right or left, you whatever it is. You can swipe right or left on Tinder all you want. There's nothing better than going out on the date. Good stuff. So anything else exciting for you this week, Dave? Very exciting. So do you know the way... So <laughs> these are my two of my, my favourite... Two, two things that I like to talk about, right? So one, Jose, politicians annoy the shit out of me. Particularly yeah. stupid politicians. So this week, um, Rachel... Huh? The majority of them. <laughs> majority of them, yeah. So this week um, in the UK, Rachel uh, McLean, who is a safeguarding minister in the Home Office, admitted that uh, she thinks that a solution to the increased cost of living in the UK at the moment is for people to go and get better paid jobs. No shit, Sherlock. They never thought of that kind of a thing. So again, that's fucking... Like, that's, like, that's a game in Ryan here when you told people to... What was it? Uh, drive, drive... Oh yeah, well, that was another one. A drive slower to save fuel. And then you said plant of plant the seeds so we have in vegetables. the middle of a global <laughs> pandemic and if we can't get in anything then we're going to basically grow, yeah, our, own, grow our own the whole vegetables. population but so there was that and the way last week we did the apple quiz yes which you were pathetic at and you asked and yeah. you owe me uh, uh, a nice whiskey a quiz, yeah so this week i put together another quiz 
It's going to be your thing now each week, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to put together a quiz. So this quiz is what I very, very appropriately called Boris or Bush. So what <laughs> I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a quote and you've got to tell me whether it was George Bush or Boris Johnson right, okay. said the quote, right? So really, really high highbrow yeah. stuff here on social antics this week. I, thought, I, I was in hysterics. You're proud of this one, aren't you? Now, the only issue is, is that I put down the quotes and I forgot to put down who actually said the quote. So I'm <laughs> doing this by memory. That's okay, that's okay. So Okay, Google out their own, right? So, so who said, rarely is the question asked, is our children learning? Yeah, that was that was Mr. Bush. Yeah, he did. He said that, yeah. That is correct. Yeah. You are absolutely spot on. <laughs> you know this whole dead silence thing is not good. Like you I, know? Find, I find it this way too, I find this way too much funny. Anyway, too way too much funny. Way very too George much funny, Bush yeah, yeah. I know uh, who yeah. said that one. Well, who said one of the great things about books is sometimes there are some fantastic pictures in them. <laughs> It sounds like something Bush would say, but just for this, I'll say Boris. You're wrong. It's Bush. Was Bush, yeah. Should have went with Bush. So, (laughs) who said voting for my party will cause your wife to have bigger breasts and increase your chances of owning a BMW M3? That's definitely Boris. That is Boris. (laughs) Classic, classic Boris. He got elected. The most powerful twice, lads in the twice. world. Like. Oh, incredible. So, this might be a bit of a giveaway, but this was a quote that one of our esteemed uh, global leaders said about Hillary Clinton. Trump. <laughs> <laughs> She's got dyed blonde hair and pouty lips and a steely blue stare. Like a sadistic nurse in a mental hospital. <laughs> What's funnier is, isn't it, like Bill Clinton and Bill um, George Bush, they're actually good friends, like, aren't they? Bill Clinton and George Bush are good friends, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, 100%. Remember what you said about her? Exactly. <laughs> so Go who on, said next. That? What? Who oh, said? Bush then. No, it was Boris. Oh, was it? <laughs> Boris, yeah. Oh. One for Boris. One for See, Boris. that's what you said. Ah, See, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, they're good friends. Wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't mock his woman. Go on. So, no, I won't give you that one. I'll do that because that'll end on a serious point. He'd be shite as a game show presenter, wouldn't he? I need a jingle. <laughs> what? I go need on, a jingle. And I need a game show board behind me. I want to vote in and say that Bill Clinton would probably be the first to mock Hillary if I was, if I was a betting. <laughs> 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 to, the, to, the, to, the, to the listeners there, our producer there coming in with, yes, Bill Clinton would actually take the piss out of his wife given the opportunity. So who said... Fool me once, shame on, shame on you. Fool me, you can't get fooled again. <laughs> That's definitely uh, Billy Arden, George Bush. George Bush, yeah, you're absolutely spot on. And the last one, and this is just to wrap up because he's just a fucking prick, is who said um, that it was absolutely ridiculous that people should choose to walk around like letterboxes? Sounds like something like Boris would say. Boris. Yeah, yeah. Boris and talking about Muslim women because oh, he is 
a very very good leader yeah. as you would fucking expect from something like him there should be vetting processes there for some of these yeah there's some there's some jobs that one should have qualifications for and it's like Prime everyone minister. thinks they can do it <laughs> everyone thinks they could do it but they can't yeah there he might he might be gone soon enough so that's everything for this week that was oh do you not do you not we're just ending on the quiz we're ending on we're that ending that's on it the yeah. ending on the highlight so, yeah fair enough um, no, so yeah enjoy the to be honest with you I got my my, my favourite part of the whole quiz was the name I thought Boris or, Boris or Bush was a good name for a quiz Boris or Bush <laughs> so thanks again for everyone for listening uh, with myself Dave our producer Owen and we'll see you again next week talk to you later Boris or, or Bush, Bush. <laughs>